You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. I'm going to get right to it because I have an awesome, (laughs) an awesome, awesome walk talk today. Do Christians need deliverance? So before I get into today's walk talk, in case you're new to my ministry, my name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. They're all available on Amazon. Check them out if you get some time. I also have a podcast. The name of my podcast is Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. Check it out if you like podcasts or maybe you like a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about if you're new to my ministry. And then I'm also on YouTube. So if you're on YouTube, be sure to check me out there. Now, if you want to search anything that I've talked about in the past, you can search my YouTube channel or you can go to my topics page on my website. If you go to my topics page, you can search any Bible verse, any topic, such as deliverance (laughs) Um, or anything else that is on your mind. There's a lot of stuff that we got to (laughs) unlearn. It's not so much about learning new stuff when it comes to scripture. It's about unlearning things which have been taught in error. Okay. And I think I can help you out with that. I'm not a pastor. You know, I get called Pastor Matt nearly every day, but I'm a regular person just like you. The word pastor is only used once in the epistles, and we see no list of qualifications, no list of authority. Pastors don't give sermons. Pastors aren't in charge of anything. So you think what you think about pastors because of what happened at the Reformation. Okay, but if you will just ignore man-made tradition and focus on what the Bible actually says, you'll see that we are a body. First Corinthians chapter 12 says that there's only one part of the body Where's the rest of the body? (laughs) And today, that's what we have. We have one main body member named Pastor. And no disrespect, but they're just following man-made tradition. They're not following the Bible. All right? We're a body. (laughs) Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says group participation is encouraged. So when we gather, it's not supposed to be about one person. Okay, this ideology of one person being in charge is completely erroneous. This ideology of listening to one person speak once a week while you sit passively and and watch, it's nowhere to be found in the Bible. That actually started with Constantine in the fourth century. Okay, if you want to search any of that stuff, be sure to go to my YouTube channel. You can search pastor, you can search Constantine, you can search anything. And I've talked about all the church history errors which have caused (laughs) the body of Christ to suffer. So I want to help renew your mind to what scripture actually actually says and then help you refocus on Jesus. That's a wild idea, I know. Because <laughs> Jesus is no more than a mascot to most of our churches. He's no more than second or third in command to pastor. Um, but it's not supposed to be like that, <laughs> okay? So... I want to help renew your mind to the truth of what scripture says. I want to help you understand who Jesus is. I want to help you understand who you are. Okay, so when it comes to this topic of deliverance today, I think it's really going to help you out. All right, now if you want to contact me, please don't message me on social media. Just go to my website. It's mattmcmillan.com with an E-N and go to the contact page. I'll be glad to interact with you there. While you're on my website, be sure to check it out. I've got tons of free resources and you can also sign up for my free daily devotional. Just go to the free newsletter tab and I'll be sure to send you a daily devotional once a day. No spam. You just get a devotional about 
5 o'clock, 4.45 a.m. Central Standard Time. <laughs> and I think I can help you understand who Christ is and who you are and who you are together with Christ. Who would have thought that the gospel is about Jesus? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Before I understood this. Okay, so, all right. Now, um, so, what else? Let's just get going with it. So let's get to today's walk talk. Do Christians need deliverance? All right. Before I begin, I love you. <laughs> I have no desire to upset you. I have no desire to make you angry. I have no desire to make you feel bad or to, I, I wish the best for you and I wish peace for you and I wish comfort, 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 confidence and a sound mind. That's what I want for you. So when I talk about deliverance, I understand what it's like to hear new stuff. <laughs> I understand what it's like because when you grow up under man-made tradition, you think because daddy did it, granddaddy did it, great, great, great granddaddy did it, or we've been doing it like this for so long. It's true. It's difficult because Judaism was around for 1500 years and you know, there was a lot of man-made tradition involved with that. And could you imagine what Paul had to deal with the early church when they finally said, Hey, <laughs> it's actually, it's different. It's actually about Jesus. I do the same thing. So when I talk about certain topics, I just wanted to preface this walk talk by saying, I love you. Okay. <laughs> and my ultimate goal is not to, uh, harm you, harm your gatherings, harm. If you think that you have a, a flock, <laughs> no disrespect. You don't have a flock. Flocks were assigned in the first century in error by the early church fathers. Okay. We are a body. We're a group. So my ministry is focused on help focusing on you understand the body of Christ and who Christ is and who you are as a vital member of that body. You're a vital member. You matter. The, the odds of you being created are unfathomable. And God wanted you to be alive right now at this exact time in human history. So that you can get to know who Christ is. So you get, get to know who you are in Christ. And so that you can express him and to love others. Okay, so that's what I hope you get from this walk talk. Sometimes I express things in an immature manner. So I'm apologizing ahead of time. Um, I don't get on here and try to be professorial. Oh, I've tried in the past and it's weird. It's not me. I got to be me. So sometimes I'm not professorial. Sometimes I stammer. Sometimes I stutter. Sometimes I mess up on my words. Sometimes, some, you know, I'm just going to be me and express who I am. And I hope that ultimately you, you feel love. And I hope that ultimately you understand who Christ is and who you are. So when I talk about deliverance, I, you might be watching live. Okay, because I understand that I, when I announce this and people are like, I'm going to watch that live of yours. Um, I understand that are, there are some people who do watch me live and they don't like me. I, I get it. 
that's okay. <laughs> I understand some people, they will watch me or they'll listen to me and they'll begin to find a way to prove me wrong. That's also okay. <laughs> I get, you know, messages from people like this person said this, this person said this. Okay. They're allowed to have their opinion. I'm allowed to ignore it. And if somebody has something that they disagree with me on, I will be glad to reason with you. But ultimately, if it's not done in a respectful way, I'm not going to interact with that. It doesn't make any difference to me. You're not going to unsell me of what Christ accomplished at the cross. And that's what's going to be the main foundation of today's walk talk. Do Christians need deliverance? So here's what I'm going to do today. I am going to talk about this word deliverance where it's at in the Bible. And then I actually, I have a second phone with me today. If you're watching live, you can see I have a second phone with me. And I, the reason why I have a second phone with me is I have 20 comments that I'm actually going to address. <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Normally, if I have a list, I don't go past five because five is, is plenty to memorize. But as I was coming up with this list of the comments, because I've been doing some videos, some TikToks, some reels on deliverance and demons, and you get a lot of feedback when it comes to this. And it's because Christ is of no value to a lot of congregations this makes no sense. And I'm going to, I'm going to make it make sense today because I'm going to actually hold up my phone, <laughs> read each individual comment. So this is going to be more rapid fire today. All right. Now I try not to hover over a certain topic for too long. I was going to split this up into three different walk talks, but I was like, you know what? I am just going to answer 20 questions quickly. And if you have any Future questions, you can email me, matt at mattmcmillan.com, or you can go to my website and just search demon or demon casting. You can actually read all of the chapters that I've written in my books about that topic, and you can read those for free. Okay, let me cross this road here. It's a very busy country highway. Okay, so let's get to it. So let's talk about this word deliverance. The word deliverance it's used to build certain ministries in regard to saying, I have a deliverance ministry. Okay, now, and I've already apologized once, so I'm not gonna do it again. <laughs> so if what I continue to say upsets you, if this triggers you, you might not wanna watch this because once you understand this truth, you're gonna have to change your ministry. If you have a deliverance ministry, or you're going to have to struggle with cognitive dissonance, which is, you know, for a fact that what you used to believe is complete error. And you know, for a fact, what is the truth, but you still find ways to stay in the error. That's cognitive dissonance. I understand cognitive dissonance because when I first began to understand this new covenant, there were a handful of things where I was like, this can't be true but it is. <laughs> so full disclaimer, if your ministry is set up as a deliverance ministry, I'm getting ready to discuss the word deliverance in the Bible. And I'm going to discuss what has happened to the demonic realm. This is going to be difficult or it's going to be freeing. I hope it's freeing. All right. Okay. So when we go to the Bible and we search the word for 
deliverance. Search for the word deliverance. Actually, before I get into that, let's define this word deliverance. Because of man-made tradition, you might think that deliverance is somebody having a demon cast out of them. Because of Hollywood, because of books, because of man-made tradition, when you see that word deliverance, you immediately think of somebody casting out a demon. Now, that is because your, your conscience has been trained in error. Your conscience can be trained by anything. This is why the book of Hebrews says that they needed their conscience cleansed of sin because they were focused on sin, not on the Savior. I'm going to do the same thing today. I'm going to help cleanse your conscience <laughs> of this word deliverance. How? Jesus and scripture. <laughs> okay. Now, the word deliverance simply means to set free or to rescue from. That's the definition of deliverance. To deliver somebody or deliverance to set them free or to rescue them. So when we go to the Bible and we search for the word deliverance. Now, here's another thing that I really want to encourage you to do. And this would have not been encouraged to me growing up because I was supposed to just take somebody's word for it on stage because they were out of control, because they were aggressive, because they were using scare tactics, because they're using good old fashioned Christian guilt. They're using all of these things, but they never encouraged me to just search the scriptures and study for myself. I actually want you to do that. So here's what you can do. Use, everybody's got the internet. <laughs> this is 2023. Use Bible Gateway. And this is not a plug for Bible Gateway, but it's based on my studies, what I've been using over the years. Bible Gateway is the best resource to search a word. Go to Bible Gateway. Please do this. When you get done watching, when you get done listening, type in the word deliverance. Here's what Bible Gateway is. You can go to this website. You can type in any word. So if you're, if you're concerned about a word, you can, or you're, you're worried about a word or you don't know what the word means, you can actually go there, type in that word, and then it will populate everywhere that it's at in the Bible, in every translation. Wild, I know. You can, you can actually study the Bible based on a word and not take a out of control, aggressive, disrespectful person's word for it. Isn't it interesting? that those who have deliverance ministries, typically, this might not be you, if it's not you, don't put the shoe on, but typically those who have deliverance ministries, they're very aggressive. They're very disrespectful. They're very out of control, which is actually the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. And they don't want you to study scripture for yourself in the proper context. Here's another thing that you could do there. When you type it in, you can read the context. So when we get, let's get past this. So when we, cause I got 20 comments to go over today. So when we search the word for deliverance in the old Testament, we only see it a handful of times. It's not much. And rather than me go over every single instance, you go there and search it for yourself. What you will see is not once does it describe a demon being cast out. It has nothing to do with being delivered from a demon. It has nothing to do with being freed from a demon. Every single instance, it is a person or a people group being freed, literally freed from their captives. 
Okay, so if you're going to have a ministry established on the word deliverance, there's nothing in the Old Testament that can back up your foundation for your ministry. Nothing. If you are saying that you have a deliverance ministry, therefore you, you use the Bible, which is in your hand. My, I got my Bible and I'm going to cast out these demons based on the word. Well, according to your Bible, nothing in the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi says anything about being delivered from a demon. Supposed to do it by the book, right? <laughs> it's the Bible. You got your Bible. It's not there. So let's go to the New Testament. When we search for deliverance in the New Testament, do we see it? We see it two to four times, depending on, on the translation. Also, real quickly about the Old Testament, a lot of times the word deliverance is in the subheading. So it's not even in the actual text. So it is the publisher trying to explain this section of scripture. But let's go to the New Testament. When we search for deliverance, we see it two to four times, depending on your translation. Some translations don't even have the word deliverance. But when we search it, and we look at each instance, because you could search and you could study each instance. When you read around every single instance, does it ever describe somebody having a demon cast out of them? You're delivering them from a demon. Or they're being delivered from a demon. Or you're commanded to deliver them from a demon. Do we see it? Uh-uh. Not once. Excuse me. And this is going to be a weird walk talk today because <laughs> weird for me anyway, I'm a creature of habit and I'm coming up on 200 and whatever walk talks. And I typically have one hand holding the phone, my other hand holding my, you know, my sweat rag in the summer, my snot rag in the winter. And right now it's my snot rag. <laughs> so I'm going to have this other phone in my hand. So we'll see how this works. I think it's going to be fine though. But when we go to the Bible, search the New Testament, if you're going to say that you have a deliverance ministry, you should have some scripture to back that up. How many times in the epistles do we see anybody being delivered from a demon? Zero. What about the book of Acts? Delivered from a demon. Delivered. We're using the word deliverance. Zero. What about the gospels? Delivered. Deliverance. You're being set free from a demon. Zero. There is not a single instance in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, which says you need deliverance from a demon. Not one. Now, when we go to the New Testament, talked about the Old Testament. When we go to the New Testament, the word deliverance is used in Philippians chapter one. What's the context Paul is saying, as you're praying for me, that's going to provide me with some deliverance. Doesn't say anything about a demon. So there's Philippians. And then we also got Acts chapter 7. So is this about somebody being delivered from a demon? You got a deliverance ministry. You should have something in the Bible that backs up the fact that you need to be delivered from a demon. But, you know, we don't see it in the Old Testament. We don't see it in Philippians. What about Acts? No, it is describing how Moses delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. Okay, nothing about a demon. And in a real quick side note, we do see demons mentioned a couple times in the book of Acts. Is the word deliverance ever used? No. Are those ever believers having demons cast out? No. Also, don't you think that if you were supposed to have a deliverance ministry, you would see that all throughout the book of Acts? 
You would see that all throughout the epistles. Yeah, you would see that, but we don't see that anywhere. Paul's interaction with the demon-possessed girl, did he hunt her down to deliver her from a demon? No. He actually ignored her. So what's that say? You pretty much need to ignore the demon. Now, eventually, as the demon continued to pester for days on end, he then turned around, stomped at her, the demon left. Did he go and look for that demon again? No, he didn't mess with the demon. Paul said he came to preach the gospel. Doesn't say anything about, I came to cast out demons. And I'm going to get to the passage about casting out demons. But there's nothing in Acts that says you need to cast out demons. And here's the thing with casting out demons. The word cast out simply means to make go away. If you are not a believer, you're not sealed up. If they go away, they'll come back. Because you're not sealed up with the spirit. You know, Jesus even describes this. The house is swept clean. They leave. They come back. There's no demons here. Let's bring some more. So that's not even the goal of the ecclesia. This mindset of needing to cast out demons is so obsessive. Once somebody understands, okay, Christians don't need demons cast out, but unbelievers definitely do. That's not the goal anywhere in the epistles, anywhere in Acts. If it was, we would see it. Instead, it's to preach the gospel. And that's what I'm going to do to you today. Okay. So there we have it. We've got Philippians, deliverance, nothing about casting out of demons. Acts chapter seven, nothing about casting out of demons. But when we go to Colossians, get this. <laughs> this is the only other instance of the book of deliverance being used. Colossians 1.13 says, the father has delivered you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. So you have been delivered. Past tense. So if you have been delivered, you don't need to be delivered again and again and again and again. And I'm going to get to why. <laughs> and let's just get to why. The next chapter of Colossians tells you why. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 15 tells you exactly why you do not need deliverance from a demon. Christ disarmed the demonic realm at the cross. I will repeat this as my foundation to build on this entire walk talk about Christians needing deliverance. I'm going to look really, really close at the camera right now. Christ disarmed the demonic realm at the cross. Colossians 2.15. If you don't like that, that's your problem. Love you. <laughs> but if you don't like the fact that when Jesus went to the cross, paid for the sin of the world, disarmed the demonic realm, and caused you to have peace with God, therefore satisfying the wrath of God, and you have a ministry... I'm just saying. If you think that a Christian can be possessed, if you think that a Christian needs repeated deliverance, and you have a deliverance ministry, 
You have zero Bible verses to build that on. You have no foundation according to scripture. The only thing you could possibly do is hoot and holler and get loud or use passive aggressiveness or scare tactics or, and here's what else you can do. You can go back into the gospels and you can find stuff that was going on before the demonic realm was disarmed. That's what you would have to do. All right. Love you. But if you have a ministry and your ministry is not focused on Jesus, repent. You're doing damage. You're ignoring the cross. You're ignoring Colossians 2.15. Colossians chapter 2 continues to emphasize just how powerful Jesus is. Paul says he is the image of the invisible God. And he has supremacy over the demonic realm. The image of the invisible God. You want to know what God looks like? Jesus. He disarmed the demonic realm. Removed their power. He has supremacy over them. So if he disarmed them at the cross through his blood, and how could he disarm them at the cross? Because he paid for every single sin of every single person. The wages of sin is death. Jesus never sinned, but yet he died. Hebrews chapter 2 tells us, Jesus has broken the power of Satan because he became like us for a little while, lower than the angels for a little while. Hebrews 2 says, why? To break the power of Satan by becoming flesh, by taking on sin, by paying for sin, therefore removing death for everybody who would believe in him. So if you don't like what I'm saying and you want to continue to tell people to come back to you to get a demon cast out. You are ignoring the cross. You are ignoring the payment he made. You are ignoring everything about the supremacy of God through Jesus Christ. Love you. Just repent or don't. Up to you. Okay? So, so let's get to these 20 comments. <laughs> All right, so I'm not going to be able to wipe my nose because I got a phone in this hand and I got my other phone in this hand. Now, typically I don't, this is the first for me <laughs> and I feel pretty confident about it, but we'll see how it goes. This is, you know, I remember my first walk talk. If you go back, you can watch my first walk talk. You can watch it on YouTube. It was weird <laughs> because I never done it before. And I was like, I'm going to get good at this and I'm going to keep screwing up and keep getting better and keep getting better and keep getting better and keep getting better and keep getting better. I think I'm pretty good at these walk talks by the grace of God. So this is going to be a first for me. Who knows? Maybe I'll do this more than once. But I, because typically I, I have whatever I'm going to say pretty much memorized the bullet points of it. I'm going to go over all those bullet points and then I'm going to refocus your mind on Jesus if you're not focused on him. Okay, that's always my, my goal of my walk talk. But as I was coming up with these, um, as I was reading these comments about deliverance, because the demonic realm is so popular, 
And because Jesus is not in our modern church, this is hard to fathom. So the comments came in like crazy. Now, I'm going to read 20 comments about Christians needing deliverance. And I've got them over here on this phone. I'm going to read one, talk about it, read the next one, talk about it. So it's going to be kind of rapid fire. Okay. Now, if you're just joining me, I appreciate you guys joining me. Um, this will be on YouTube in the, later today. So um, it'll be under the same title. And this also will be my next podcast episode. So check out my podcast. A lot of people say that they are binging my podcast to, to get caught up. This will also be on my podcast, Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. But today I'm going to read 20. So let's get to it. Okay. So number one, one of the comments about do Christians need deliverance, one of the comments I received, and these are in no particular order, but they're going to be rapid fire. Normally I'll spend some time on each one, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes. These are going to be quicker. Okay. All right. Number one, Christians can have demons and need deliverance. You're a liar. <laughs> okay. Well, what does the Bible say about calling people names? <laughs> Oh, that don't count. All right. Um, but Christians can have deliverance. Christians can have demons and, and need deliverance. Well, I just went over, excuse me. I just went over the word deliverance. So according to the Bible, that's not true. All right. What about they can have demons? Go to Bible gateway, type in demon, read every instance of demon. Do you ever see a believer? On this side of the cross, remember the cross happened, Colossians 2.15, disarming them. Do you ever see a Christian having a demon? Not once. Okay. All right. Number two, demons can attach themselves to Christians. Therefore, we need to be set free through deliverance. They can attach you, attach to you. Again, let's go to the Bible. Let's do this by book, right? <laughs> Go to the Bible, search demon, look on this side of the cross. And again, before the cross happened, yes, they still had power, but the cross happened. We don't see a single instance of a demon attaching themselves to a Christian needing to be, and we see nothing about them needing to be set free from a demon. We see that they've been disarmed. All right. Number three. Oh, this is a good one. Number three. There is a clear commandment to cast out demons on this side of the cross. Mark 16, 17. That's how they will know you. Okay, Mark 16, 17. So let's talk about Mark 16, 17 because Mark 16 is after the cross. Again, I, I encourage you to go to Bible Gateway. Search Mark 16. Read every translation. You can read every translation. Most translations will have a parenthesis around everything past verse 8. And it will say, text not included in earlier transcripts. What does that mean? Oh, are you saying the Bible's not accurate? No, the Bible's accurate. <laughs> but the older the transcripts of the original manuscripts, which is what was penned from the hand of the actual human author the more accurate. So as time has gone on, more copies have been found. So before the printing press, way back in Jesus's time, they had scribes and a scribe would literally transcribe scripture. They would write it down because they had no way to copy it. So 
as a tri- as a scribe would copy it, and then the next scribe, and then the next scribe, and then the next scribe, there were little bitty instances of things which were off. Now, the overall message is still the same, but older transcripts of the original manuscripts do not include the passage that people are attempting to use to say that Mark 16, 17 says, these signs will follow, you will cast out demons. It's not in the Bible. It ends at verse 8. Why? Colossians 2.15. They have been disarmed. Okay? So if people don't know you by casting out demons according to the Bible because Mark 16.17 is not in the Bible, how will they know you? Jesus tells you. They will know you by your love. So if I'm up on stage... And I am putting some pressure on you. I'm putting pressure on you to change your ways. I'm putting pressure on you to repent. I'm putting pressure on you to serve God. You can serve your boss, but you can't even serve God. Pressure. Where's the love? If I'm up on stage and I'm out of control... And I am calling out individual people in my congregation by name. And I'm saying this person is going to hell or this person is an apostate. And I'm literally picking this person's name out of the crowd or they're not here and I'm talking about them. Is that very loving? No, that's actually the opposite of love. Love covers a multitude of sins. So they will not know you by casting out demons. They will know you by your love. They will know you by how you express the fruit of the spirit. We don't always pull it off perfectly, but the overall gist, (laughs) I hope you get that from my ministry. I understand that sometimes, you know, people are like, geez, you know, Matt might be having a bad day, (laughs) but overall, I hope you get love from my ministry, you know? That's what I want to be known for. When I'm dead and gone and this banana peel is is here in the ground and I'm enjoying my my real life in heaven with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Grandma, Uncle Gaish, all my loved ones. I'm going to meet Paul. I'm going to talk to Adam. I'm going to talk to Eve. I'm just going to fly everywhere. I'm going to do a bunch of cool stuff and I'm just going to be enjoying this euphoria. I hope whoever is left here on earth will say, I felt love from Matt. I felt love. So that's what I hope you get. It's not about casting out demons. It's about love. You know, Paul goes even deeper into this in Galatians chapter five. When you express the fruit of the spirit, it's going to be love, joy. I hope, (laughs) I hope people will watch some of my TikToks and I'm not going to die or anything. I don't know why I'm talking about death so much, Uh, but I hope that when you watch my TikToks, Sometimes I hope you laugh. (laughs) I want to be known for being joyful, Uh, love, joy, peace. I want to be known for for uh, creating peace, not division. Patience. (laughs) Patience is hard for me. If I'm really trying, I have to really rest in patience. Because I'm a type A and you get the crap done and you get it done now and you get it done right. But... That wouldn't be expressing the fruit of the spirit. 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I need to be kind. I am kind. I need to express kindness. That's how you know. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You know, goodness would be, you, you always pull up to this guy with this sign right next to Walmart here. You know it's the same guy. You know he's going to drink it or shoot it up or smoke it. But he's saying anything helps, God bless. And you give him a $20 bill. That would be goodness. I don't have to do that. I don't know. Uh, or I do know what he's going to do with it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just trying to express some goodness here. You know? I don't need to say, do you, don't do it, McMillan. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stay on track. <laughs> Got a lot to go over. Okay, that's goodness. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness. What about faithfulness? So your spouse cheats on you. But you decide to stay in this marriage because <laughs> you want to express faithfulness. That's a big deal. That's a very big deal. Faithfulness is so difficult nowadays, especially with the invention of social media. Somebody can reach out to your spouse with the tap of a button. They can see that your spouse is having difficulties with you. They can slide into their DM. And basically, <laughs> they can have an online affair. Happens all the time. Social media used to be, if you, if you wanted to have an affair, you need to go to the bar you know, or go to church. Now you can just do it in your DMs <laughs> and people deal with adultery on an unprecedented level because of social media. But if that has happened to you, but you have still decided to be faithful to your spouse, you are expressing the fruit of the spirit and that is what you are going to be known by. Okay. Commitment, faithfulness, gentleness. So if you see a deliverance minister and they are just Whoa, just, you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> not expressing the fruit of the spirit. That is not what we are to be known by. And then what else? Self-control. Not other control, not out of control. And I understand you get emotional sometimes, but just to be known for it. That you know when you go to this church service, this individual is just going to let you have it. That is what we will be known by self-control. All right. Number four, you have to train hard to fight the devil because he can oppress you and possess you. Boy, this is loaded here. I'm going to repeat this. The fourth comment <laughs> about uh, do Christians need deliverance? You have to train hard to fight the devil because he can oppress you and possess you. So first of all, let's talk about oppression versus possession. So oppression, yes. Possession, no. Oh, you said it right there, big no oppression. I can already see it. <laughs> is it verifiable in the New Testament letters that Christians can be opaque? I can already see it. <laughs> oh my God. I'm a little triggered right now. Okay. Hang, count, count down. <laughs> All right. Sorry about moving my phone around. I know it's going to be. <laughs> I know it's going to be. All right. Um, oppression, yes. Oppression means they can be around you. They still can't touch you and they can't possess you. First John chapter five says the evil one cannot touch you. First John chapter three says the reason why Jesus came to earth was to destroy the work of the devil. So they want you to think they can possess you. They want you to think they can touch you, but all they can do is be around you. 
They can slam doors. They can stomp up and down the stairs. They can knock books off the counter. They can uh, appear. But they cannot touch you. They cannot possess you. It's an impossibility. If you've ever trusted in Jesus, they, they don't have that ability. And they know that. But they want you to think that because they're around you, you're sinning too much. Therefore, you're not a Christian. Now, you could be involved in stuff, which is just a dinner bell for them. You could really enjoy demonic films. You could be cheating on your spouse. You could be getting drunk all the time. You could be living a extremely legalistic life. All of those things attract demonic oppression. So I'm not saying they can't oppress you. And they can follow you from house to house to house and lie to you and scare you. But they can't touch you. They can't possess you. They will lie to you about you. You're not forgiven. You're not righteous. Look at you. You looked at the porn again. All of these accusations. Accusations, accusations, accusations. They know Colossians 2.15. They know 1 John 5.18. They know 1 John 3.8. They can quote scripture. So they're going to accuse you. And that's the only thing that they can do. We see this in the book of Revelation. They are the accusers of the brethren. So they lie to you about you. They lie to you about the cross. They, they say that you are possessed. They say those thoughts are them coming through you. They say that because you went to the bar and you slept around, you got some demons on you now and you need to go get them cast out. If you're a Christian and you're doing all this bad stuff, they could be around you and lie to you. You're going to struggle with the oppression. You're going to struggle with what's going on in your mind, but you don't have to worry about them possessing you. You don't have to worry about them touching you. They can't. So you don't have to train hard to fight them. They're defeated. <laughs> you know, in Ephesians chapter six, we see Paul encouraging the Christians in Ephesus to put on the full armor of God. What is the full armor of God? If you read each individual piece, it is Christ. And if you have trusted in him, you've already put him on. So now you will get accusations which are coming from the out. Oh, you don't go to church anymore. You're not a Christian. Oh, do not forsake the assembly. Oh, Hebrews 10, 25. What's it say? Oh, see what they do? They use scripture even. <laughs> but you know, if you go to that church, that person is going to tell you that you need a demon cast out, but you better go to church. Or you're going to go to that church and that, that person is going to say you got to confess more sins because you're not really forgiven. See what Satan does? He uses scripture by contorting it, by making you think it means something that it doesn't. That includes Ephesians chapter six, because you are not, none of this stuff are you doing anything with. It is what you have and it is Christ. All right, let's go on to number four. Uh, that was number four. And again, they can't possess you. I want to emphasize that. Oppression doesn't mean they can latch onto you. They can't do that either. They can just be around you. And you can tell them to get out of here. And then you can start speaking the truth. You can stop listening to the demonic doctrine of men who tell you that you need demons cast out. 
Or that because you sin, now you're an apostate. That's the demonic doctrine according to 1 Timothy 4.1. Demonic doctrine is anything that opposes the gospel. What do you think a demon would teach you? Demon, doctrine is what you teach. <laughs> What's really interesting to me is a lot of these deliverance ministries will say, if you don't think that you need demons cast out, you are teaching demonic doctrine. No, sir, you are actually teaching the demonic doctrine because you are not standing on Colossians 2.15 or anything that Christ accomplished or anything that's in the Bible. So you would be teaching demonic doctrine. Oh, you're just lukewarm. Then we go, we're proof texting again. We're right back over to a verse out of context. <laughs> What's the lukewarm verse about? Anything about casting out demons, being against casting out demons, being against a deliverance ministry. No, it is about purposefulness. Be hot, be cold, he says. Hot or cold. Hot serves a purpose, cold serves a purpose. Hot will warm you up on a cold day. A cold diet Pepsi will cool you off on a hot day. Lukewarm serves no purpose. So this is not about you being a lukewarm pastor will teach the opposite of this because they are just lukewarm. Just stop. Stop proof texting. Go to the Bible. Read stuff in context. Stop regurgitating what you've learned from man-made tradition. All right. Uh, number five, Satan is a roaring lion who will devour you. Hmm. Satan is a roaring lion who will devour you. <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't laugh. I don't mean to insult you. <laughs> if my little giggles, my little, when I giggle and I laugh, just so you know, it's just to soften difficult topics. It's just something that I've done in my walk talks from about, I don't know. 25 and on and I do the same thing in in regular life <laughs> I have this little giggle I have this little breakup which when I'm talking about something difficult I'm not laughing at you so if you think that Satan is a roaring lion who can devour you when I giggle I'm not really trying to like laugh at what you think even though it's funny <laughs> love you I'm just kidding I'm just kidding uh, but the Bible actually doesn't even say that you know <laughs> First Peter 5, 8 says Satan roars like a roaring lion, like as in as if, and I just talked about this, Satan and his demons, you know, they're like the, the wizard and the wizard of Oz. When they finally got there and they got behind the screen, they see it was just an old man behind a curtain, pressing buttons and blowing smoke, speaking through a loudspeaker. He roars like a roaring lion. He cannot devour you. You are fully engulfed with the Holy Spirit. All right. Number six, we need to look to Jesus's example of deliverance and follow it, such as prayer and fasting. All right. First of all, does Jesus ever use the word deliverance? No, we talked about all the words of deliverance. When he described prayer and fasting, was that after he went to the cross? No, it was before the cross. You have to read all of that stuff based on what happened at the cross. You have to read everything in the Old Testament based on what happened at the cross. You have to read all the Gospels before the cross, which brings in the New Covenant. Disarming Satan, defeating death, paying for sin, giving everybody the opportunity, both Jew and Gentile, to be predestined to trust in the Gospel. 
And what's really interesting is the prayer and fasting to cast out demons. We see in Acts chapter 19 that there were some unbelieving exorcists who were Jewish. I'm pausing for emphasis. <laughs> unbelieving exorcists who were Jewish. Also, they attempted to use the name Jesus. And for the first time in their life, they got attacked. <laughs> What's that say? The demons didn't care if they were cast out. They'll come back. All right. And I talked about that in great detail in my past walk talk. Uh, so be sure to watch that. Number seven, sin will cause demons to enter you. Cool. Well, that would be true if the cross didn't happen. Sin will cause demons to enter you is error because of what happened at the cross. So what happened at the cross? Christ disarmed them. You're forgiven. Yeah, but I'm sinning. Okay. Christ disarmed them. You're forgiven. Yeah, but I'm, I'm still sinning. Okay. Christ disarmed them. You're forgiven. Ooh, you just saying we can just sin. I'm saying you don't want to sin. But no, no, let's get back on topic here. You, you, hold on just a second. So often we get accused of telling people you should sin when you emphasize the magnitude and power of the blood of Jesus, people, they can't fathom this. So they immediately say, Matt, you encourage people to sin. That's called licentiousness. I don't do that. I always tell people, every time you sin, turn from it. You know, the book of Jude describes those who came into this group and was saying, oh yeah, you're saved by grace, but you should just sin all you want so you can increase that. We don't say that. We say you're forgiven. So turn from your sin. Yeah, but I'm sinning a lot. But okay, you're still forgiven. Because the only way you can be forgiven again is if Christ comes back out of heaven and goes back up on the cross. Or if he's dying again and again in heaven. It's not happening. Therefore, this, this grace, which is you, you got to deal with this fact too. If this upsets you, you could literally commit a sin every second of the day until the day you die, you're still forgiven. You have to deal with that. Once you finally deal with it, you understand grace. Then you mature out of actions and attitudes, which are not natural for you as a holy person. You don't want to sin. I had somebody email me this morning and I get these quite often, but they said, I'm just sinning a lot and I, you know, I, I, I think I do want to do it, but I just don't know how to stop. Why do I want to do this? You know, and I replied, I said, you don't, if, if you did want to do this, you would not be emailing me. You'd be like, this is cool. But you have a natural practice of not sinning. You have a natural practice of righteousness. You don't repent of a sin to receive more forgiveness. If that were the case, you're only forgiven until you sin again. What's the point of Jesus? You, you are forgiven once and for all time by repenting of unbelief in what Christ has accomplished at the cross. This is a physical realm 
that is bound by space, matter, and time. God is not bound by this. So when you decided to no longer not believe in what Christ accomplished, God could see the entire timeline of your little blip on the radar of eternity of life, and he's decided to not hold any of those sins against you. He is the creator. He is not bound by time. A day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. Deal with your forgiveness. Try it. Try sinning. It's not for you. You could even be in denial for a time or two. You know because you have God's divine nature. Peter tells us that. You don't have a sinful nature. That's error. And I'm not diving down that rabbit hole today, but go to my website, search sinful nature. Those words are not in the Bible. Adam and Eve did not have a sinful nature, but yet they disbelieved God about who they were and wanted the knowledge of good and evil. You don't have to have a sinful nature to sin. Christians sin every day, but we're still forgiven. You know, we, I've even got some people in the new covenant community. They're starting to slip down this, <laughs> this path of we don't sin. Yeah, we do. We sin every day, but we're forgiven. This is the grace of God that teaches us how to live an upright, holy, self-controlled life. Paul told Titus this. All right, let's go on to number eight. Deliverance is for the church. We will be held accountable for not casting out demons. Deliverance is for the church. We will be held accountable for not casting out demons. Where do you see that in the Bible? <laughs> and that actually is kind of funny. You, you're just, with all due respect, this individual is just regurgitating something that an aggressive person on stage has said to them. Deliverance is for the church. We will be held accountable for not casting out demons. That's nowhere in the Bible. As a matter of fact, who was accountable, not, not for casting out demons, even though he did that, <laughs> but for the sin of the world? Jesus. Jesus was fully held accountable for everything. Everything you would, you would do. Much less casting. So it's a sin to not cast out demons? <laughs> Come on. All right. It's not. And if it was, we're still forgiven, but it's not according to the Bible. All right. Number nine, if you live in sin, you have to repent to make the demons leave you. Ooh, man, that is just loaded. So first of all, we don't live in sin. Colossians chapter three says we live in Christ. Right now, I live in the spirit of Jesus Christ. I am fully engulfed in his spirit. I get my supernatural life from him. I got my physical life from him. I live in Christ. Now, I could, I could commit a sin every second of the day and I still would not be living in sin. I would be living in Christ and I would be sinning. As I understand that I live in Christ, I will probably sin a lot less. <laughs> Why? Because I know that's not for me. So when I sin, there's no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ. So also, I'm not stopping a sin to get a demon to leave me. If that were the case, every time I sin, I need to worry about a demon coming back. All right. Let's go on to number 10. We rest. If I can say this, it's kind of a tongue twister. Number 10, the 10th comment, and there were hundreds of comments. 
but I picked out 20 to go over today. Number 10, the 10th comment about Christians need, do Christians need deliverance? We wrestle with our flesh and blood and we don't give it any provision. Friend, that's not in the Bible either. In fact, the Bible says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter six says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but spirits and principalities of the dark realm. And as you can see, it's not even us who is wrestling with them. It is Christ because we have put on the full armor of Christ. So we don't give them any attention. <laughs> and as far as not giving the flesh any provision, that's from Romans chapter 13. Yes, the flesh. Not your flesh. So in context, how would you give the flesh attention or provision or feed it in context continuing to follow the law of moses if you read romans chapter 9 all the way through 13 you would see that paul is pleading with his countrymen the jews to repent from law observance and trust in christ they had been cut off and now if they would believe and stop working according to the law they would actually be included with the gentiles who were not working according to the law but they believed. All right. Uh, and if you want to go deeper into the difference in the flesh and your flesh, search my website, search my YouTube channel. I dive deep into this. Uh, a rule of thumb, when you see that little T-H-E in front of the word flesh, it is never describing your body. So not giving the flesh any provision would be not following legalism. Okay. The flesh is Sarx, S-A-R-X. It is a separate entity. It is worldly ways of getting your needs met. And we see in Galatians chapter five that because we belong to Christ, we have crucified the flesh. Past tense. We are not crucifying the flesh again and again and again. We are not crucifying our flesh. We would die <laughs> if we did that. So your flesh is Soma, S-O-M-A. And Paul told the Ephesians, that you care for your body like Christ cares for the church. You do not crucify your flesh. You feed it. You take care of it. You wipe your butt. You, you, you eat. You, <laughs> or everything that your body needs. <laughs> you care for it. You are not wrestling against your flesh. You are not trying not to give your flesh provision. You need provision. <laughs> All right. That's the next one. Number 11. And these are rapid fired. Normally, I don't go the, this quickly. If, if you've listened to my past walk talks, I'll sit and I'll talk about the topic for quite a while. But I've got 20 of these. I'm on number 11. So they're more rapid fire today. All right. Number 11. Some of the strongest Satanists were once spirit-filled Christians. That's an impossibility. Just, just an impossibility. Because once you, you, once you are filled with the spirit, you can't be deflated with the spirit. <laughs> Your old self dies. Everything's sinful about you, dead. Romans chapter 6, Colossians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2. You have been crucified with Christ, dead. And now you have a new spirit of your own, a new Holy Spirit of your own. So if there, and, and that Holy Spirit is fully connected with the spirit of Jesus Christ. We see this in Romans chapter six. You died, you were buried with Christ. You were raised with Christ and united with Christ. You're new. So if, if there is a Satanist and he's saying, I was once a spirit filled Christian, we got two different options. Number one, they never believed Jesus. They just played church. 
They thought if they stopped doing the stuff that they would be saved or if they started doing the stuff, they would be saved. But they never trusted Jesus. That's option number one. Option number two, they're still a Christian. They're just confused. You know, John said they went out from they went out from among us because they were never really a part of us. That's option number one. Option number two is they're just confused. So if they're claiming to be a Satanist, they either, yeah, they're a Satanist because they never trusted Jesus. They just, they did all the religious BS or they are still a Christian, but they're so tired of this institution. These hierarchies is dung. They're like, I, I hate Christians. I serve the devil. Well, in reality, you don't and you know it. You just don't like all of the religion. Alright. Number 12. The Bible says thus. Oh, let's read this again. Number 12. The Bible says the Holy Spirit won't dwell in it. In, if I can talk. Blah, 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 blah. Number 12. The Bible says the Holy Spirit won't dwell in an unclean body. The Bible says the Holy Spirit won't dwell in an unclean body. Where? <laughs> Bible doesn't say that. Jesus said to somebody who probably thought that in Matthew 23, you clean the outside of the cup, but on the inside, it's still pretty dirty. He didn't say dirty. He lists off some sins. But if you think that the Holy Spirit won't dwell in a body because of what it looks like on the outside, you would be in error. And it triggers me a little bit. Some of the most grimy appearing people have the spirit. Some of the most polished, well-spoken people do not. God looks at the heart, not the outside. All right. Number 13. If you go back to your vomit, demons will enter you again. 2 Peter 2.22. Okay, so it doesn't say that in 2 Peter 2.22. Now, 2 Peter 2.22, Peter is quoting Proverbs 26. A dog returns to its vomit, a pig to the mud. What's the context? This has nothing to do with you going and doing some more sinning. Therefore, a demon's going to come latch itself onto you. They want you to think that. That way, if you just keep doing it, just one more stick in the pile. I got demons anyway. Who cares? Who gives a rip? I do this all the time. It's too late for me. I can't do any of that stuff. I'm just, I'm damned to hell. Send me to hell. I don't want to go to hell. See what happens? Sinning will not cause you to go back to your vomit. In context, <laughs> this is an identity passage. Peter's actually telling them, you're not a dog. You're not a pig. Now, Peter was a Jew. Anytime a dog and a pig was used in their scripture, it always described a Gentile. Somebody who was not a part of the old covenant. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12, Paul says, they were without hope in regard to the covenants. So when you go to the Gospels or you go to the Old Testament or you search the Proverbs or the Psalms and you see dog or pig, they are describing a Gentile, which is somebody who is non-Jewish. It's pretty racist. Okay. You're not a dog. You're not a pig. You know, we see, and, and again, the old covenant was still in effect in the gospels until Jesus went to the cross. We see in Matthew chapter 15, a Canaanite woman 
who approaches Jesus, begs for him to heal her daughter. The disciples try to shoo her off. Why? Because she was a Gentile. And she knew that, but she all, she knew the miracles that he had performed. And she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table, Lord. Immediately, Jesus understood that this woman trusted him. And at that time, she would have been considered a dog. She knew that. She had been called a dog her whole life because she's a Canaanite woman. She wasn't there at the base of Mount Sinai saying, we will do everything written in the book of the law, Lord. What do you say? Your daughter's healed. So this is not, <laughs> this is not you doing some nasty sinning and you're going back and you're eating up your vomit. Eating up your vomit would be bad. Okay. Here's another instance. Matthew chapter seven, you know, Jesus describes throwing your pearls to swines. Who's he talking to? In context, the people who were under the law. Their pearls would have been the law. So he is in essence saying the Gentiles don't follow the law. In essence, he's saying, you, you're not doing it either. Here's the true standards. So a pig and a dog were unbelieving Gentiles before the cross. This passage from 2 Peter 2.22 has nothing to do with you doing some bad sinning and demons coming back. All right. Number 14, you are a fleshly being and demons can attack your flesh. Again, we're not fleshly. We have flesh. <laughs> fleshly would be sarks. Fleshy would be soma. Galatians chapter 5 says, what? You belong to Christ. You have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. You're not fleshly. You have a body that, you know, has regular needs to, you know, eat, sleep, have orgasms, have fun, be excited, be comforted, have community. You've got all of these physical things that you want to do because you have a physical body, which is normal. That's flesh, but you're not fleshly. Fleshly would mean you are attempting to get your needs met through worldly ways. You don't do that. That's not your connotation. And demons can't attack your flesh. They, clearly, they can't touch us. 1 John 5, 18, the enemy cannot touch you. The evil one cannot touch you. Number 15, the Bible says you will lose your covering if you sin, and then the demons can enter you. That's not in the Bible. That's just church jargon. <laughs> As a matter of fact, in the book of First uh, John, chapter 2, John says, you all have an anointing from the Holy One. What does anoint means? To cover. So if I'm covered, if I'm smeared with, if I'm just engulfed in the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm not going to lose my covering because of a sin. If I sinned, I'm doing something that's not natural and I should repent from that. But the cross happened, so he's not leaving <laughs> All right, number 16. David said, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So if you sin, he leaves you and demons can enter. All right, let's talk about David. So David did say, Lord, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. On this side of the cross, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you. <laughs> so why? The cross. <laughs> the cross. I know the cross is just not a big deal to most churches. So this is mind blowing. Jesus did not happen yet. 
when David said that. Therefore, the Holy Spirit came and went based on sinning and divine acts. You know, we see the Holy Spirit come upon David to do a bunch of cool stuff. We see the Holy Spirit come upon Samson to do cool stuff, if you want to call that cool. And then he left. On this side of the cross, he doesn't leave. He says, I will never leave you. Hebrews chapter 13, I will never leave you. So if you sin, he's not going to leave you. You're just going to be sinning. So you should probably repent. See how that works? (laughs) All right. Number 17. If you're sinning, you've turned your back on God and you need deliverance from demons. Well, that means every single human turns their back on God and needs deliverance. But do we see that in the Bible? No. If you're sinning, you're doing something that is not natural for you as a saint. You're going to have to deal with what happens in your mind, in your relationships, in your community, everything else that's involved with your life. But you don't have to worry about turning your back on God. Where you turn, God turns. You know, there's so many worship songs where it's, it makes it appear as if God is up or away or far off. I cannot stand those worship songs. <laughs> I will actually change the lyrics while I'm singing them. You don't turn your back on who you are one spirit with. That would be like me turning right here, this way, this way, and saying that I'm turning my back on my physical body. I'm one spirit with the Lord. There's no turning your back on that, especially not sinning. What If you sinned and you turned your back on God when you sinned, then God would turn his back on what Jesus did. (laughs) And he only did that once. It's not going to happen again. Romans chapter five, verse one says you had peace with God because of Jesus. Romans five chapter, Romans chapter five, verse nine says you are saved from the wrath of God. So if you're, if you have peace with him and you're saved from his wrath because of what Jesus did at the cross, when you sin, you're not turning your back on God. You're one spirit with the Lord. First Corinthians six seventeen. All right. So repent for a different reason. <laughs> All right. Number 18, true Christians don't sin ongoingly, so they don't need deliverance. Oh, oh, shoot. I guess that's you then, huh? (laughs) I'm going to repeat this. Number 18, true Christians don't sin ongoingly, so they don't need deliverance. That sounds like somebody in Matthew chapter 7. Did I not, Lord? (laughs) Did I not? Did I not? Um, Depart from me. I never knew you. Listen, one sin would be ongoing sin. You know, we want to gauge sins based on repetition or how, air quotes, bad it is based on humanity's opinion of that sin. But one sin would cause Jesus to have to die again. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So Jesus is not repeatedly dying again and again. Hebrews chapter 1 says, after, after providing purifications for sins, he sat down. So it's not going to happen again. So one sin would be ongoing. One sin is forgiven. And a billion sins are forgiven. Deal with it. If you think you could do something about your sins, you would be just like the Hebrew people who thought they could go to the day of atonement and receive forgiveness by way of animal sacrifices. And we see in Hebrews 10, 26, there is no sacrifice remaining for their sins by way of animal blood. They would be trampling on the son of God 
insulting the spirit of grace and treating the new covenant as unholy. Hebrews 10, 26 through 31. We want to use that passage as if you're sinning too much as a Christian, it's too late for you. No, that's describing an unbeliever attempting to do something about their sins. Definitely don't have to worry about a demon attaching yourself to you. Christ has attached himself to you. All right. Number 19, we're going to 20. Number 19, the Holy Spirit will not abide where there is sin. I know. I agree. That's why we were washed. We were justified. We were sanctified. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. We were glorified. Romans tells us that. Yeah, but you still sin. I know. This is forgiven. <clears throat> Can't fathom it. They want to do something about their sins. <laughs> but I agree with you. The Holy Spirit will not abide where there is sin. That's why Jesus came to take away my sin and your sin and everybody who would ever trust in him. All right. Number 20. The final comment. <laughs> Satan is the prince of this world. Therefore, Christians need deliverance. Satan is the prince of this world. And I got another comment from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where he said Satan is the king of this world. Let's talk about both of those. So Jesus said that Satan is the prince of this world. John 14, 20. But what else did he say? They'll ignore that. If you're going to claim that you need deliverance because Satan is the prince of this world and you're going to go to the Bible and find that verse, it's in John chapter 14, verse 20. If you're going to say that, you got to continue with it. What does Jesus say? He has no power over me. So using... The excuse that Satan is the prince of this world, therefore you need demons cast out. You would be in error, sir. Stop it. He has no power over Jesus. Sorry, probably shouldn't talk to you like that. I apologize. I just get a little triggered <laughs> because I know some people believe this. Because when you get your lather going about your deliverance ministries, and then you use all these passages out of context, and then you want to call Satan the prince of this earth. Therefore, you need demons cast out. You need to keep going because Jesus says he has no power over me. He laid down his life. He's defeated them. Disarmed them, Colossians chapter two. He is supreme over them, Colossians chapter two. He is the image of the invisible God. Satan is nothing. And if you want to go to 2 Corinthians 4 and say he's the king and he blinds people. Yes, unbelievers about the gospel, not Christians. Read it in context. Stop taking verses out of context to build your demonic doctrine by saying Satan and his demons have power. They don't. They're disarmed. They're defeated. Repent. You could do so much more for the kingdom of God if you would stop making a bigger deal out of the devil than you do the actual son of God. 
as good as you are at talking to people, as good as you are as, as being up in front of people with such a good personality, you could be saved. You could just struggle with this. But you're using that platform to do work for demons. Use your platform to do work for Jesus. Be clear that you were wrong. Now you know. You know that they're disarmed. You know that they have no power. You know that the enemy cannot even touch us and that Jesus has destroyed his work. Satan's power has been broken. Hebrews 2.14. Make it about Jesus. Stop using passages from the old covenant when Satan still had this little quasi-power. The Messiah has come. Love you. <laughs> All right, there's a bonus lie here. <laughs> there was one. <laughs> I had 20 and I have one more. Sorry, I don't mean to be intense, guys. I really don't. Uh, sometimes that just comes out of me. So I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. All right, um, bonus lie. Because we get this a lot too. <laughs> Sleep paralysis is demonic possession. And this, I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to close with this. <laughs> Sleep, uh, I've got one other thing to say after this. Sleep paralysis is demonic possession. Oh, it's not. Do you, you think that God is going to give demons power over you when you go to sleep? Remember, they can't touch you. First John 5, 18. They've been disarmed. Colossians 2, 15. <laughs> they have no power over Jesus. John 14, 20. They don't have any power over you when you sleep. You're still covered. <laughs> yeah, but I did a lot of sin in that night. I got real drunk. I did the drugs. I, you know, I cheated. I, I got a DUI, blah, 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 blah. Okay, you did all that stuff and Christ was with you. So let's repent. So what is the sleep paralysis? Sleep paralysis, a lot of people think it's demons. When you, here's what sleep paralysis is. When you go to sleep, this is just science. <laughs> when you go to sleep, your body goes into a state of REM. When you go into a state of REM, it is your body going into the deepest sleep. And your body goes into paralysis so that you don't act out your dreams. Sometimes you wake up and you're still in that state of paralysis. It's not a demon. It's you're waking up and you're still half asleep. Okay? So it's not a demon. It's sleep paralysis. I know it's hard to understand because this is just not popular. Because Jesus is not popular. Church is popular. Pastor is popular. Deliverance ministry is popular. Be like me preaching. We don't let our kids do that is popular. But Christ is not popular. The power of the blood of Jesus is not popular. The power of the resurrection is not popular. Your power as a new creation is not popular. Submit to the system is popular. Man, I'm intense today. I apologize. <laughs> Love y'all. Oh, shoot. All right. And that's it. So that's the 20. <laughs> Got, I, I didn't think I was going to finish it that fast. Uh, sometimes I can ramble on, but, um, do Christians need deliverance? <laughs> uh, not according to the Bible. According to the Bible, Colossians 
tells us we have been delivered. Past tense. I got my snot rag back, back out. Get rid of my snot. The Bible says we have been set free <laughs> from death, from the power of sin, from demonic forces, from the flesh, not your flesh. There's nothing wrong with your flesh. You think something's wrong with your flesh because of what you've been taught. And again, search my website for that. <laughs> Bunch of free stuff you can read on that or my YouTube channel. All right, guys. So I hope this has encouraged you today. I hope it's uh, brought to light. Maybe some error, maybe some truth. But you should always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're righteous. You're holy. You're blameless. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. There's nothing wrong with you. And you are awesome. So always tell the truth about yourself. Always be yourself. Love y'all. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.